Welcome to Do We Belong Here, a podcast dedicated to proving that everyone has a place in the world of cybersecurity. Hello, and welcome back to Do We Belong Here, a podcast dedicated to making sure everyone knows they belong here in the world of cybersecurity. I'm your host, Tasha Denos, the Cyber Whisperer, and as always, I have my co-host and friend and the advisor CISO at Cisco, Pam Lindemone. How are you? I'm great. Good to see you again. I'm so happy to see you. These are my favorite things to do. And as you can tell, we're in person this time because we are in Denver at the WESIS conference, you guys. And our beautiful producer is behind the scenes making sure we're getting everything right as usual, Miss Serena Gandhi. Our special episode has some wonderful women here that you're going to learn so much from, you guys. We have the founder of WESIS, Dr. Amberine Siraj. We have the executive director, Lynn Dome, and we have the chair of the board, Dr. Janelle Strott. So let me tell you about WESIS. WESIS is a nonprofit organization that brings talented women together. We celebrate and foster their passion in cybersecurity. They do this by uniting a global community of women, allies, and advocates to collaborate and build and foster their networks. They also create opportunities through professional development, programs, career fairs, conferences like the one we're at today. And I just can't wait to learn all about them and what they do. So Pam, we've been having some great talks and experiencing some wonderful things this time. Tell me some of the things that you've experienced that are memorable so far. You know, I think it's talking to some of the young women and watching them together. It, it's just so refreshing. I, like, it takes me back to when I was young and eager and wanting to do great things. But the biggest thing that I've taken away, last night we were at dinner with some young women, and they were talking about how much they really respected each other. Like, you should have seen them. They, It was incredible to just see how they promoted each other, like, I've never seen anything like it, and it's such a warm feeling being a woman in cyber to see that activity going on right in front of your face, so a lot of the speakers have blown me away. I think we were just talking about with some of the (laughs) ladies here, so it's been great so far. I love it. I love that we have a place, and you guys created a place that women can feel vulnerable. You know, um, I'm hearing people going to talks, and they're crying. You know, finding a place where they finally feel comfortable enough to talk about their journey. And then while they're talking about their journey, they're learning from each other. They're learning how to to battle things that they have in their everyday career life and then learning things about mentorship and understanding the difference between mentorship, sponsorship, allyship. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just so wonderful. I'm, I'm really enjoying. And I think we've got some great guests. Are you ready to introduce one of the wonderful ones? I am. I am. So we're going to talk first with Dr. Janelle Strzok, the WESIS chair of the board. Janelle is the chair of the board at WESIS, as well as a lecturer of computer science at Rice University. She has an extensive background in academic and industry experience, including teaching at the college, university, and corporate level. And her passion is recruiting and retaining females into technology careers. Janelle, thanks for speaking with us today. Oh, it's my honor. I'm just blessed that you guys are here today. As the WESIS chair of the board, you have a unique opportunity to create change within the organization and beyond. What's the single most important change that you'd like to see during your time serving WESIS? 
Well, I would say, really, it's our mission, a strong, diverse cybersecurity workforce, because that's what we need. And if I had to say, what's the one thing? It would be that 50% representation. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, 50%. We're at, what, 24% right now? The last study was 24%. Yeah. Yeah. So being on the board, like, what's your role for the WESIS? I could sum it up by saying my job is to listen to our community because this is a community, and the community tells us what they need. We hear from our community, and it's really then to make sure we stay true to our mission of recruit, retain, advance. I love it. It's easy. Listening is big. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what's nice? I can see that you guys are doing the listening with that career track, building things every single year. That's that's really beautiful. So I can see that's that is something that you're actually doing. I'm really proud of it, you know, not just the conference, but as an organ as an organization, we continue to add things. We hear from our community. We need this. We need a training program. You know, we need um, whatever it is. We listen and we say, you know, this is true. This is something we need to look into doing. I like it. I like it. So where did your dedication for recruiting women into technology careers come from? I would say part of it is my own experiences, but really the bigger part of it is actually my students because I was a, a computer science major back in, well, okay, let's just say a long time ago. <laughs> I won't say the years. And there were only five of us, okay? Mm. We all knew each other. So we had five women. We were our community. We supported each other through the program. I went into uh, industry, worked for a while, went back into academia, and then got my PhD, went back to industry. Then I was like, you know, I really love to teach. I'm going to go back into academia to teach. When I went back into academia, we had a lot more computer science majors. So the number of computer science majors had grown. But what happened is then there were more sections of the computer science courses. Mm. So the women were getting spread out among these sections. And now the women didn't know each other. Mm. And what I took for granted of I knew all the women in my program, now these women didn't. And I was like, I want these women to have what I had, which was this support group. So it made me realize I have to work towards building community. So I've always been passionate about helping others, but this just opened my eyes and I said, this is, I have to work on this. Wow, I do too. So, tell me, we're talking about, you know, I, I can see in your position, you're inspiring people every day and you're building communities and and making change. Who are some of the mentors in your life? Who are some of the people that provided you with insight for you to wanna, you know, be the best you? This is gonna surprise you. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) My mentors are my students. Oh, I love that. It is my students who have taught me so much. Um, I learn from my students and I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't quite know how to describe it other than they have taught me what they need. They've taught me what the, what the community needs. And they're, they just inspire me. And so in that way, they, they just guide me as to what needs to happen. I mean, I've had students come to me and say, you know, we need to be able to do this. And I'm like, okay, I never thought of that. Okay, let's do that. And so taking on this you know, post-industry career of academia, 
it wasn't so much about me, so I didn't really have a mentor, but I realized about, after about a year, it was my students. My students were mentoring me. That goes back to the listening. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it does. And learning from anyone that's around you. That's mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah. That's forever growing. Yeah. Right? That's just the definition of it. Yeah. It's yep. incredible. So you've said that you're passionate about breaking down the remaining barriers uh, that discourage women mm -hmm. from pursuing professions in cybersecurity. What are those barriers and stereotypes that still surround the cyber industry? So if I were to walk up to someone on the street, maybe I'll try this tonight at the conference, <laughs> okay. a non-conference non attendee. I'll just okay. go find somebody and I'll say, what do you think of with cybersecurity? I can guarantee you a lot of them are going to say, it's this guy in a hoodie <laughs> in his basement typing on his computer doing programming. That is so not cybersecurity. There's so much more. Yeah. So I think we have a perception problem. We have a perception of what cybersecurity is. I think we still have an imbalance. We've got more men at the top. We have more women coming in at this lower level, but we've got to work to advance them. And so I think we still have this imbalance um, in that structure. And I think one of the biggest ones that I see is an incorrect belief that women aren't smart enough and mm. that women don't have the skills they need. And so unfortunately, I see that in women as well who don't go into the field or who, who think I'm not capable. You know, that the imposter syndrome comes in there. So I think those are the main ones I can think of. Yeah. And with that being said, at a conference like this, how does WESIS play into making that change? Oh, that's easy. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> we prove those people wrong mm. by showing them because we have these speakers who are doing it. We have, you know, that's easy. Let's prove them wrong. And I think, just to kind of go back to my mentors, the first WESIS I went to, I took students and they were kind of, I don't know if cybersecurity is right for me. And when they went to the conference, they were like, it is. There's other people like me. I met other women. I'm going to do this. And wow. so I think it's that, you know, prove, prove them wrong. Show that there are people. And it's a lot of people here that it's sold out. There's 2,000 women here. Everywhere you look, there are allies and everything. It is definitely a community to be a part of. It's beautiful. Yeah. It is beautiful. What do you think needs to be done in order to prove that this industry is one where everyone belongs? Oh, we have to create a space of inclusion. We have to, we have to make people feel included because when they're excluded is when they leave or when they don't even enter. And we have to showcase the success of women to have, make that happen. I believe that too. Yeah. Is there anything that our podcast can do to help your mission along? Well, I would just say um, getting the word out that it's women belong. You know, you're, you're all about belonging and women belong in cybersecurity. And I think that's one of the messages that we can all give is telling the younger generation you belong. You know what I think, Tasha? I think we need more people like you and Dr. Ron <laughs> to bring people like me into this to really get that message out there and for those faces and voices to be heard. So you are such an inspiration. Thank you for right. Well, thank you for having me today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was great. Yeah. And we're back with Dr. Amberine Siraj. 
She's the founder of the WESIS organization, program director at the National Science Foundation, and a former professor of computer science. She has truly been a driving force in helping to close the cyber diversity gap and proving that everyone has a place in this industry. Amberine, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much for, to both of you for having me here. It's a pleasure. So 10 years ago, you were inspired to found the WESIS organization. What was it that pushed you to focus on improving diversity and inclusivity in cybersecurity? So when I was in grad school, I was the one, only female student in my lab uh, and um, for my professor. And I didn't think so much of it. Uh, occasionally, I mean, I would wonder, I wish I had other females that I could talk to or, um, but again, I didn't think so much of it. I was a student, you know, you have your focus different. When I became a professor, um, then again, I saw that in large group of students, like when I had 40, 50, 60, 70 students, that often, you know, I would still be, you know, the only female or with two or three other female students in the class. And that's when it started to bother me. And what bothered me is that I loved cybersecurity and the subject, you know, everything about it. And I wondered why wouldn't other girls like it? Why wouldn't they come to take security class? Well, it wasn't a required class in curriculum. So it was an elective class and, and I figured they didn't want to take it because number one, they just didn't know about what cybersecurity is, didn't feel um, attracted to it. Because if you look around, you only hear about cybersecurity when it's not working, when it breaks, mm. like when there is hacking going on. So it's always this negative uh, notion about cybersecurity. And, you know, girls, females, we have a mindset of, I guess, nurturing and we want to build things. We look at growing rather than breaking apart. So we are more interested in professions that have, I guess, societal benefit. So that word is not out there. So, and I, you know, at that time, I knew a lot of people, a lot of wonderful, wonderful female that were, that I also found to be my mentors that are doing wonderful work in cybersecurity. And I just figured the problem is that people just don't see them, that these wonderful people are not visible. So I wanted to create a space where that, you know, these examples would be seen, where people can see others like them, where community can be built. And that's why I reached out to, uh, at that time, my collaborators were, uh, I was at Tennessee Tech, my collaborators were University of Memphis and Jackson State Community College, and we wrote a grant to National Science Foundation about broadening participation in cybersecurity. And one small part of it was doing this small conference of, we proposed that in two years, we were going to do this conference for 150 total people. <laughs> and, you know, we received the funding and the program director who gave us the funding at that time 
you know, said that it was a risky project that we were, you know, he was very um, skeptical that we would be able to pull this off. And we did. I mean, the first conference, we had 350 people. Wow. Um, so then just then, I guess a snowball started and I found friends like Janelle and others that joined me and this just kept growing and growing and here we are today all together. I love it. Yeah. Question. So it, it, I love how it went from something that was supposed to be 150 people to doubling in size to what it is. For you, how has your vision for the organization changed has and evolved over time? So when I started this, it was, I didn't even have a vision for an organization. I just, it was very simple. I just wanted to create an event, an annual event where people will come together and we will showcase diversity with these role models, bring mentors and mentees. So I didn't even think of organization. So as the conference started growing, like Janelle told you before, that we always listen to our audience or our people, this community that started to grow. And we saw that this community needed something, not just once a year, you know, they came together at the conference and they needed to do things together all year and not just forget about it when they go <laughs> from the conference. So to sustain, you know, to engage this community year long and to sustain this project beyond NSF funding, because NSF projects are usually two years. And so we had to create I'll find a way to make this, you know, this organization that will hold this conference. So the, that's when the vision of the organization came. By the way, I forgot to mention something that I am here in my personal capacity, in my personal time talking to you, not as NSF. So my opinions are all my opinions and perspective. Um, so anyway, um, so this organization was created to sustain the conference and then again the vision changed that you know we have to um, do things at grassroots level. Mm. So when we created the organization we created chapters, affiliates so that you know things can happen at their own backyards. So when students come they can go back and start student chapters and do things on their own. When professionals come, they can go back and start and work with the local affiliates because not everyone can come to the conference. And you know they can do things at their own places, in their own ways. So the vision keeps changing. As General told you, we listen to our community and we adapt because in today's world, if you don't adapt, can't do anything needs change so we change you know you're a spark and like the the momentum that you give people and the inspiration from walking away from here is just so inspiring and I, I can tell you that I have chills right now all mm -hmm. <laughs> right just thinking about all the difference difference you're making in people's lives like it's just incredible what you've done I I want to 
I want to ask you. I want to tell you something. It's not just me. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Because if it's it so was great. just me, I I'm a tiny bitty professor in a, <laughs> in a small university, media, media tier university that couldn't have pulled this off. This was possible because of the community, how people came together, they believed in this, they joined hands, they supported each other. Oh wow! Yes, that's how we we it's did so it. It's so good. Me. I love that. It's so yeah. good because, like, just my heart is so full <laughs> just thinking about the fact that the the two themes that I keep hearing is like listening, pulling for working together and building a community that mm -hmm. is just. I think that's what was missing, and how you guys created it, and how all of you guys are are staying focused that the mission is to create a place where people feel comfortable and can grow. And they're growing themselves and growing in, in their careers and community, you know? The growing fact that it, yeah. Paying it forward is a big part of who we are. I mean, that's something, even in my personal life, you know, my dad, he passed away a couple of years back. But whenever someone asked my dad what he wanted to his what he wanted for his kids, what was his wish list, he would always say that all I want is that my kids can help someone else. Wow. Okay. And that's, that. I take it extremely seriously and that's what, that's my principle and that's how I, I live, that whenever I can, I try to be useful to others. And that's how, you know, I, that's what I try to teach my students. That's what this community is about. Paying it forward is the biggest thing. That's the theme of this community. You know, in, like, it has been nine years now, generally, you know how many people we get that, that came to visas when they were, and they were at the, at the receiving end and they advanced their career and then they came back to visas to give. Mm -hmm. Wow. And it, there are so many, many, many stories I can't even tell you. So when you were founding it in the beginning, what went right and what went wrong in the process? And what did you learn from, from all of it? What went right, what went wrong? lot of things went right and everything that went wrong was also right because we learned from it so <laughs> if if bad things don't happen you don't learn from it so absolutely right that so, is the truth we, of life you know, in our lives we we all need our lessons because lessons makes us better so 100 percent yeah are there any particular success stories that you think of when you're just like, oh, God, oh my there God? There are so many, yeah. I can't even tell you. But because I'm in heart, although I'm not a professor now, I'm a fed, but in my <laughs> heart, <laughs> you know, is that funny? We should cut it down. No, we need it. Layer the personality. But because I'm a professor, one of my story that, um, one of the things that made me, made my eye tear up is I met a student who came to WISIS as a student, a graduate student, 
and then she came and then later on she became a professor because that everything inspired him inspired her to be a professor she became a professor she then started WISIS chapter in her college and then she brought I saw her in the conference with her students oh wow same way that I was in the conference with my students so seeing her surrounded by her students having this conversation mentoring that just like made me so happy Got me. <laughs> I, love I it. know I was gonna cry. Like, yeah, and today, awesome. and this story is fresh. I just told Janelle. I was, I, I was walking out of lunch keynote, and there was this uh, black girl, and she said, "Doctor Siraj, I just feel so over empowered now. I just need to do something. Oh, wow. I, I have to do something." <laughs> she just walked out, like, you know. That just makes us so happy because, you know, Janelle, me, we have our full-time job. You know, we and others like us, we, there are a lot of volunteers. How many volunteers work for Lean? Like over 500. Yeah. So all of these people wow. give time to WISIS from their busy time. And this is what keeps us going. I love it. I love it too. What are you most proud of? with the OASIS organization? Wow, that's a loaded question. <laughs> we like loaded <laughs> questions on this podcast. There are so many, how to say it more briefly. What I am so proud of, I am proud that it's, it has created a culture of paying it forward in cybersecurity. That's, that's a good one. That's a great thing to be <laughs> proud of. Yeah, because there are a lot of people who come to WISIS that gets that mindset, even if they don't have it already, right. and then they, they take it back and they, they do it. Yeah, so it's like a cycle that keeps on giving back. So that's what I'm most proud of, this machine of this mindset. Yeah. One of the things that I've noticed here um, that I, I love that people are learning about is allyship and mentorship mm -hmm. and how to learn from your leaders. Like, what are, what are some of the things that you can tell us about allyship and, and how important that is to something like this? I mean, allyship is most, I mean, one of the most important thing. My, I will tell you from my personal experience. My biggest ally was my father. And the way he was my ally is because I had four brothers and me and my sister. And the reason I consider him an ally because never, ever, ever growing up, he treated us differently. That he expected the same as from his sons than daughters. So it never even occurred to in our mind that we are indifferent, that we are supposed to do anything different. Mm. So to me, allyship starts with equal treatment. Wow. Seeing as equal and being empathetic when special situations arise, when someone needs us, you know, any special hand. But if you can't see people equal, then allyship stops there. 
So we, when we scream allyship, we are not screaming special treatment. Mm. We are screaming equal treatment. That's important to note, you know? And I, I love that you're telling the story about um, it, it does not always have to be an expected path. It's, that's another theme of the people that you're learning from and the people that you're that are teaching you are you can get it from anywhere and seeing that that your father being that person. That's beautiful. So cybersecurity is one of those fields where there are a lot of people who can enter without a formal education. As someone who has worked in the cybersecurity education sector, what role do you think education plays in bridging the cybersecurity workforce gap? So education, of course, plays a big role. And um, if you look at cybersecurity jobs out there, you can go to cyberseek.org and look at the the I don't know if you know about that site. Everyone knows about that site that shows the job statistics in cybersecurity. We'll link it. Um, <laughs> and you know, by state, you know, it also maps jobs with the Nice Nice Workforce Framework. It maps jobs with what type of degrees are required, what are career paths. You know, it's very very useful. So if someone doesn't know, I encourage them to go to that site. But if you go to that site, you will see more than 80% jobs do require, at least in job advertisement, bachelor's degree. So does that mean that if you don't have a bachelor's degree in cybersecurity or computing or related field that you can get into cyber? No, that's not true. Because, see, cyber is so vast now, so complex, you know. Before, we used to call it information security or computer <laughs> security. But now cyber is not, because see, now security is not limited to computers because computers are everywhere. Like computing is everywhere. So technology is everywhere, computing is everywhere. So, so the abuse of technology, safety of technology is also everywhere, which is cyber security. So, you know, any field, and in modern day, every field, name one field that doesn't use technology. I mean, anything, look at our lives, every field uses technology for efficiency, for performance, and whoever uses technology, there are security implications to it. Mm -hmm. So that means, you know, say a manufacturing plant, that is connected with cyber systems. So there is cyber security issues with the manufacturing plant the, you know, when, it, when it gets connected to the internet. So we need people that are coming from manufacturing knowledge that has that domain expert, but also have that extra training in cyber that will allow them to work. So the point I'm trying to make is that Yes, you need people with core cybersecurity knowledge that has formal degree, but you, we also need people from all sec sectors that can use their domain knowledge with cyber knowledge to make technology use safer. Absolutely. One, I couldn't have said it better. I, it was so good you answered my next question. <laughs> you know, I was, well, I was going to ask you, how do you encourage people that to transition into this field? But 
you you pretty much broke it down it's that you technology is connected to every field so we need everyone with every different background to enter into cybersecurity if they're interested in transitioning but but see not everyone we need doctors we do we do but not everyone <laughs> needs to be doctor not yeah. everyone can um can you know um what's that word can bear blood right right no. so cyber isn't for everyone mm -hmm. not right. everyone has to love cyber so cyber field has a lot of jobs it has a lot of jobs with very good salaries but doesn't mean that everyone should go and do cyber no it depends whether you like it or not mm. if you like it please do it because job prospect is great right. if you don't like it don't do it but <laughs> the question the thing is everyone can you know there is a, a, a map to I mean, there is a way to connect everyone's job to cyber. If you dig deep, deep, you'll find that somehow your job may be connected to cyber in some way. That's absolutely right. You are, have the most humility. I, it's beautiful. It is. It is. And it's not, it's, this is not, I want to say, this is not a normal thing. We are at a place, <laughs> we are at a place where people are crying because they feel so comfortable and so vulnerable and they they are you guys as a team are as building team. something that beautiful. is it's beautiful and it's making it it is impacting at this very moment like this is not out but there are people in rooms right now that are going to leave with information that will change their lives. There's moments that you're having right now at, at this moment, people are learning things that are gonna change their lives. And it's just, that that's what, when the word pioneer, I think that's where that comes from. It's, it's understanding that there's a space that people need to feel comfortable and feel like they can be their full selves and they can learn and be smart as women in an industry like this, you know? What can we do, and as, as is there anything that we can do as a podcast, as do we belong here in Cyber Florida, at, to be able to push your, mission, your, your team's mission along? I would say that don't talk about diversity, <laughs> show diversity. Mm. Yeah, just, you don't have to say diversity is important. The impact that you're going to make by inviting someone and that someone saying diversity is so important, blah, 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 instead of having representation of competent, powerful role models and them sharing about their work to, to what they do in cyber to break down, break down this notion of what cyber is, is a dark thing, but how their work benefits society, how their work that they do, you know, benefits, you know, our modern technological lives, that will do the deal. Just come in and give them, just invite them and give them the mic. I love it. I do. That was well said. Thank you so much. <laughs> We are continuing on this train of meeting the wonderful women of WESIS, and now we have with us the beautiful Lynn Dome. WESIS Executive Director, she focuses on one of the most important aspects of cybersecurity, the people. 
Lynn has been recognized for her commitment to bridging gaps in cybersecurity workforce gap and improving recruitment of women in cybersecurity. She's passionate about celebrating diverse perspectives to create a more inclusive environment. Lynn, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. It's so fun. It's been fun already. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we just started this conversation. <laughs> I can't wait. I, as the executive director at WESIS, you focus on building and maintaining industry and community partnerships. What does community mean to you in, in this role that you're in? Well, everything that WESIS does is about building the community. And it started with the conference, like Dr. Siraj and uh, Dr. Uh, Strack were talking about. And it started with the conference on bringing the community together. The idea was, let's bring women in cybersecurity together to talk about cybersecurity. That was the simple concept. But the momentum of the community come together is what kept the growth of it so strong and rapid is because this becomes a powerful force and it continues to build upon one another. And so our mission to recruit, retain, and advance women in cybersecurity and to have that type of mission from 10 years ago is so ingenious because it's the life cycle. Mm. So as women are coming together to learn more about cybersecurity and build up their professional development, we're paying it forward to the next generation and bringing them in as part of the conversation. So like Amberine was mentioning that she knows so many stories where everyone comes on the scholarship or individuals come on a scholarship and then they get hired at WESIS and then they move on their career. Then they come back to WESIS and they move up in their career again. And then they're at a level where they're bringing teams to WESIS to wow. recruit. Or if you hear about faculty, how they come back and every single year they come with students. And then eight years later, they're coming with another set of students meeting their former students. It's like a family reunion as their former students are here with their companies recruiting from the next generation. So it's the life cycle. And that's what community is about. If that's not the most wonderful example of like community in action, I don't know what could be better. I mean, it's just amazing. <laughs> and that was so beautifully said. I, <laughs> like, I, I love that. that she was... answered our next question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when that oh, happens. Boy, <laughs> All right. yep. Next question. You're doing great. You're doing great. Rapid fire. I love how passionate she is, mm -hmm. right? And every time I'm around Lynn, I feel like I get like this shot of energy. Like it's, it's just so infectious. Like you are in the right role the right place and I just want to tell you like you're you're very inspiring Lynn like it's nice to be around you thank you that's mentoring that's, oh that's right I was mentored I got one of my number one mentors right over there yes. to bring me in this role and believe in me before I believed in myself and that's what I just love um about WESIS I, I don't know if if at the strategic partner debrief I shared that my first conference was in 2018 and sitting at a table. It was in Chicago from my hometown. And so, but sitting at a conference table, meeting that network in the community, it was so unreal to me. It was mm. just unbelievable. Like the camaraderie was formed and the network was right there. And my career advanced so significantly from that one moment, from my first WESIS conference. And a year later, I got a, a little text from Amberine Siraj that said, Lynn, would you consider applying to be executive director? Wow. And I was like, when else am I going to have the opportunity to merge my passion and my career into one? And I've been so grateful ever since. And I have the number one 
fans right there just cheering me along every step of the way. So I'm very, very grateful. We're all cheering you on, all of us. I absolutely just love working with you. So what role does non-traditional education and training play into building the cybersecurity workforce? So what, how we approach it is that, well, we know cybersecurity, there's so many different entry points, and it's right. so vast. Right. And we, even when you're in your cybersecurity career, you're, you both know you're always navigating through your mm -hmm. cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. So navigating through the educational, either traditional or non-traditional pathways is just part of the process, no matter get used to that. Right. <laughs> and so what we do is we create accessibility and opportunity. Um, and... And how we do that as a nonprofit is that we create many different opportunities for people to be their entry point or their advancement point within their careers. And so the, the non-traditional or, or ways of coming into cybersecurity, wait, you asked non-traditional or non-technical? No, that's perfect. You're because <laughs> we're going to get into non-traditional, non-technical. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of, it is, all of it's relevant. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's just, uh, there's so many different entry points, and, and the traditional educational pathway isn't always the one for everyone. That's right. And so people have to, there has to be opportunities for career changers that are interested to enter. And our programs that we build out, some of those programs we're looking for the biology major, we're looking for the psychology major. Mm -hmm. um, we want to bring that skill set, and to, if they have the aptitude and the grit and the determination to move forward in cybersecurity, we want to create that opportunity to rise them up. I love it. I do too. I believe it too. I'm, I'm a non-traditional cyber expert. Yes. <laughs> so yes, you're spot on. So we talked about the non-tech, the the non-traditional and and different paths. What what I do want to know. We're t talking about mentorships and way to ways to make transition and move up. Like, what are some of those traits that you you mentioned? One. I know one of the things you said is that grit. Oh, you know, yeah. so mm -hmm. like what are some of the other traits that you can say that will take you to the top of the cybersecurity world? Well, what we see is that grit and determination and really wanting to be elevated in the cybersecurity space. And when you see that, you could teach the technology, but we're here to build teams. I mean, the cybersecurity workforce is a team effort and to bring that uh, forward. Um, but those that are just naturally curious and problem solvers and troubleshooters, they really fit well in this space. And it is that natural curiosity of just being able to go down that rabbit hole and not be afraid to dive in a little bit deeper. And when you discover something, to be able to explore what's the next step from there. And, and you know, the, any different area within cyber requires that skill set of curiosity. Mm -hmm. And so when you layer the determination and then you put the, the training on top of it, then, you know, we'll continue to build the workforce in the right way. Agreed. 100%. You're talking, are you talking about me? <laughs> I know, that's why I was like, I've got some grit. <laughs> I've got a little grit inside. How much grit does Pam have? Have a little bit. So what would you say to someone who's considering being a mentor in the WESIS program? I just want to let you know, I signed up to be a mentor in the program, Yay! so don't hit me. Yeah. <laughs> she did this talk yesterday, and she was like, have you signed up? Have you signed up? I was like, okay, fine, I'm going to go sign up because I, I know it. she'll come after me. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so mentoring is just amazing. And, and just, I know both of you were in that session yesterday and I loved being a part of that panel because we had such diverse aspects of, you know, how people, how mentor, mentoring has impacted them in their lives. Um, but what's interesting is that, you know, the average person as they're advancing in their career has four to five mentors surrounding them. And that, um, that individuals that have a mentor in their life, they're five times more likely to be able to be promoted or five mm -hmm. more times likely of being promoted. But when I was doing a little research, it was so interesting to me that mentors were six times more likely to be promoted because it's a leadership skill set. And so one of my favorite things, we, we launched the Mentor-Mentee program in 2020. We did it in a cohort setting intentionally to build that community mm -hmm. that we were talking about, that network to continue to expand and grow. That's another community for WESIS members to be a part of. But, um, and we put together that curriculum to help bridge that gap and get those deeper relationships um, and those skill sets, leadership, negotiation, uh, how to give feedback, how to receive feedback. Mm -hmm. These were all leadership skill sets. And when mentors stepped into that space, a year later they shared with me that they were having the most amazing conversations that a year prior to being in the mentoring program, they would perceive them as being too uncomfortable, mm -hmm. too um, just not knowing how to approach the conversation. We opened up that doorway and we created accessibility of that inclusive space of non-judgment and of, for even the mentors to learn. Mm -hmm. So like the Mentor-Mentee program, it's all about entering into that space of non-judgment, that we all have life lessons and experiences, and we're here to grow and learn together. And so mentors, you know, really excel in the program too. So I'm excited that they show. <laughs> I'll I be signing it. up again, it's so yeah. fun. Well, and it, I, Earlier we were talking about like students taught me so much. I think that was Dr. Ronk. She was telling us that her students teach her and that's what she learns. And it's so true. Like I learned from every mentee that I've had mm. and I've actually taught, had so many mentors in my life and I had just one where she was like, oh Pam, I learned more than I'm teaching you. And for her to say that was yeah. so inspiring to me because she's brilliant. I mean, this woman has a lot of degrees and to have that faith in me as a mentee, it was just, it was amazing. So it, it did spark me to do more mentoring and to, to take on that, that role. I think what you're doing is ama amazing in that, that cohort environment. So it was really great to hear um, that panel yesterday too. I have one question. We're talking about who who do you think could be a mentor? What does it take to be a mentor? Can anybody be a mentor? Anyone could be a mentor. Oh, anyone. You know, in the in the WESIS mentor mentee program, we match our mentees with someone that's just one level above them. So we have them identify as a student, as early in their career, mid career, senior, and executive. And then, oh, wow. so those that are senior, you know, if they want to go to that C-suite, like executive CISO, then they then they have the opportunity. Then we were able to the algorithms help match them in that in that area. So, but we want the experience to be fresh, so that they know, okay, we, I've just overcome all these challenges. Because a lot of times we're saying, just do it. We know you could do it. Determination. <laughs> yeah. If I could do it, you could do it. But really, the experience is so much raw, more raw than that. Yeah. And so we need to like have those, you know, ugly conversations in order to help everyone get over it. I just actually had one of my um, mentees stop me in the hallway, and she said that she was part of this conversation, 
and it was it was such a good conversation but she wanted to know like well you know some of the some people say just do it we know you could overcome these challenges but she like wants to specifically know like how like, what is my direct report what if my manager is a major barrier ah. and she's like i want to know how do i overcome that specific mm -hmm. you know specifically i mean those are really ugly conversations That's that right. we have we have to have with many and how to overcome and bridge that gap and then sometimes you just have to self-reflect and realize that maybe that place of employment is no longer for, for you, you. it's mm -hmm. time to shift and you've outgrown that role so and now you could move on to other places and you know be promoted in other ways in cybersecurity. so so lynn how would you like to see the cyber industry evolve over the next 10 years well we need more <laughs> obviously we need more of that industry um you know, I'd really like to see it just be more inclusive. I mm -hmm. think there's a lot more work that needs to be done because, you know, we, we constantly talk about diversity and diversifying the workforce. And I know that sometimes it turns into a feel-good metric. It's a mm -hmm. metric you can measure. And you could do a little bit of initiative and measure it again. If you grow ever so slightly, then you could pat yourself on the back. And then that's the D and the DEI. And at certain instances, people or organizations don't get to the E or the I. Yes. But when you cultivate the culture of inclusion, diversity does expand, but inclusion's a little more complicated. Mm -hmm. And it's not a data point, it's not a metric you can measure, it's a feeling. <laughs> and it's only felt when you're excluded. So that's why it has its challenges. But fortunately, WESIS has devoted time and attention to putting together the state of inclusion assessment, where we have quantified the experiences that women in cybersecurity have had of exclusion in order to create the baseline of what is the state of inclusion for women in cybersecurity. That's so groundbreaking. It is. Because we're talking about, oh, women represent 20 to 24%, you know, those statistics. And, and But we're never going to make progress until we really peel back the layers and look at what's inclusion. Because we're talking about the pipeline, but what about the leaky pipe? Oh, my goodness. So that leaky but we're recruit, retain, and advance women in cybersecurity. You can't advance women in cybersecurity if they're not choosing to stay. Yeah. So there's a break in the system here, and we need to get, we need to, get to the point of it. And we need to make progress with that. And that's what I'd like to see for the workforce. Let's get over that hump of inclusion. Mm -hmm. Diversity will expand. We'll create more accessibility for folks to get into cyber. Mm -hmm. And and then we'll fulfill the workforce shortage. It won't be a problem. Yeah, we were talking we were talking last night. Like one of the best parts about this conference is just have these off conversations with peers. And one of the conversations we were talking about is the burnout is real. And when you're wearing so many, I think we've talked about this on this podcast before, you know, when you're wearing so many hats as a woman, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's tough, right? So those roles are super important to navigate and to understand. So it's, that is groundbreaking work. Um, We're revealing the study next week. Ooh. Well, yes, maybe know. we can link we that. Have <laughs> yeah. We'll have to link that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. That's excellent. Um, so... To bring it all in, one, what can we do? What can we do? Well, I know we, we asked your partners, but for you, from your perspective as someone that's talking about mentorship, talking about that cycle with the workforce, what's something that, you know, do we belong here can do to help you push that message across? 
well, I think, you know, just like uh, my colleagues mentioned, is doing what you're doing, is bringing awareness to it. This is very, very important, is do we belong here? You're creating a place where people feel comfortable to have this conversation, so thank you for that. And to be able to push these initiatives forward, that if anyone is considering cybersecurity, that there that WESIS has our mentor mentee program that's right there. You know, it's right there. All you have to do is sign up, <laughs> and then and then you're like one step closer. Yeah. And then you know when there when a potential training program comes along, it's just take that one step that foot forward and be surrounded by the right community and the right people and know that the right community and people exist. Mm -hmm. So it's all part of this. All of us. So. Man, the themes of this show have just been like reflective of the theme of this conference, I feel. Um, learning from everyone that's around you, mentees, teaching mentors in every step of the way, community. listening. Community. Community, you know what I mean? Yeah. And one of the things that Dr. Shiraj said, it's, it's not about talking about diversity, it's being that change, making showing sure up. that you're showing up. So I think it's beautiful. I'm very thankful that you took the time out of this major crazy, crazy time to sit and talk with us. We're very honored to have you guys on the show. And Pam, you know, I think that brings us to the end of our episode today. You, we're going to go ahead and close it out. I don't want to end it. I don't, but <laughs> I think there's the, the real is done. So thank you all for joining us today. As always, I enjoyed you. I enjoyed I'm, you. I just have to say that, you know, and it's, it's nice. It's good to be together. Well, it's good to be together because we're here physically. So I'm glad that you guys get to experience us all on one take. By the way, we are good friends. Yeah. <laughs> so continue to rate follow us, rate, review, subscribe to Do We Belong Here. Check us out on all of the social media channels. We are at Do We Belong Pod. And Pam, can you tell our listeners what I'm thinking? We belong here in the cyber world. That's right, we do. So tune in. We've got another episode next month just to prove it. Thank you for listening to the Do We Belong Here podcast produced by Cyber Florida. To learn more about the show, visit cyberflorida.org or connect with us on social media at Do We Belong Pod.